This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Aminio left the building. Guerrero lifts one to left field, and gone! Otani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Yes, it is A's Cast Live here from the field as we're getting you ready for, hard to believe, the last homestand of a year. It is four against the Seattle Mariners. It is three against the Houston Astros. Where do the A's stand as we speak? Well, they're six games back of the Houston Astros in the West. They're two games back for the final wild card spot. Right now, we've been checking this. And with the A's continuing to win, the A's have upped their odds. It's not great. But the other day, it was like four-something percent to make the playoffs per fran- per fan graphs, now up to 9.7. You can't say their destiny is in their own hands. you got all these teams that are still in it. When you look at Boston and Toronto and New York and Seattle, who they're taking on today, there's a lot of teams still in it. But if you win and you consistently win, you give yourself an opportunity to be in the postseason. By defeating the Angels yesterday, the A's have clinched a winning record for the fourth consecutive season. That's pretty good. A's have finished with a winning record in four straight seasons, haven't done that since 99 through 2006. There's a lot of teams that would be happy with four straight winning seasons, and they're trying to get to the postseason for the fourth straight year. Now, they've won five in a row, and this is what we talked about. Every game is a playoff game. And every single game, the starter turns it over to the next starter. Frankie Montas did his job yesterday, and today it goes to Sean Manaya. Sean Manaya has struggled since the start of August. He's 2-3 and three with a 6.92 ERA in eight starts, giving up 10 home runs in that span. But the one team he truly has dominated this year, it's been the Seattle Mariners. 2-0 with a 0.56 ERA. So obviously when he sees these Seattle Mariners, it lights up for Sean Manaya. Vince Catronio, one of the voices of the A's radio network and A's cast will be here at 415. Cole Irvin, can't wait to talk to Cole. I don't even know if we'll talk baseball because his Oregon Ducks commander have all of a sudden come up with some huge victories as they went into the horseshoe as they call it there in Ohio and beat the Ohio State University and the Pac-12 by the way has been taking a beating Pac-12 losing everywhere UCLA's losing Utah's lo- UCLA loses to Fresno State Utah loses to San Diego State uh, the Pac-12 looks like a fraud so far this year but not Cole Irvin and his Oregon Ducks yeah their their win uh, what was a week two against Fresno State, that looked, that was a big win now. The Fresno's number 22 in the country. Oh, it drives me nuts. 
They're three and one. Fresno is uh, worst university in the country. Fresno State. Uh, they're, they're two wins though, other than the one that get, big win against Chip Kelly's UCLA Bruins. Uh, they beat Cal Poly and uh, UConn. So let's not talk about putting them in the national title game just yet. But uh, that was a quality win for them. And Cole's Ducks are three and zero. And I I think I put down who they play next. I think they play at home against Arizona. Then next week, big showdown with David Shaw and the Cardinal on the farm. David Shaw got a good week. Uh, got a good road victory over the weekend. So look out for the Cardinals. So we'll have Cole Irvin at 4.30 and then Ryan Divish from Seattle and that will be at 5 o'clock. I wonder if he remembers. Years ago there was that scandal with Ken Griffey Jr. at the end of his career where Griffey fell asleep in the clubhouse on his lounge chair like a Barry Bonds lounge chair and they want him to pinch hit. No one could find him and then Griffey made some excuse and they found out it was a lie. I'll never forget, I believe it was Ryan, who I interviewed here at the Coliseum. And the Mariners back in Seattle were listening to the A's pregame show, knowing that Ryan was coming on. And after they wanted the, a copy of it, this is when I worked for 95-7 the game. So uh, back in the day, I was able to manipulate the situation and say, oh, you know what, we didn't, we didn't record it. Ha ha. Because they were trying to go after him and anybody that was talking about the Griffey situation. And that's the only thing about Ken. You know, you think about how great how great Ken Griffey Jr. was, but uh, that that last scandal and the way they tried to cost people their jobs was uh, I, I thought it was pretty weak by old Ken. But this matchup is very interesting. We got so we got a lot of interesting matchups, by the way. Uh, one that the A's will be looking. We'll be looking at the scoreboard. Scoreboard's not up yet, and these guys aren't playing yet. This will be a little bit later at six thirty-eight. It's the Astros and the Halos. The division is not over. Have you quit on the division? No, but, I mean, who's pitching for the Angels tonight? Uh, Valdez. No, oh, it's going to be uh, Valdez for the Astros, Barrera for the Angels. Okay, Astros will probably win that game. Um, I'm just saying because Otani pitched yesterday, so who am I counting on for the Angels to not only pitch? Well, it doesn't matter. I don't think the division's over. You play them six more times. These, ga- these games are going to the bullpen anyway. Yeah, well, and Houston's bullpen is, uh, besides uh, what, Phil Maton, who they got from the Indians, has pr- been pretty bad, but Kendall Graveman's been pretty solid. I mean, they've, I, I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think Houston is maybe the best team in the American League. Valdez is coming off a cut on his finger. Yes, and he's a lefty. Remember, he, was, he didn't, wasn't there at the beginning of the season because he had the finger injury. They thought he was going to be out the whole year. And then he comes back, and he pitched well for them. He's gone through spurts, though. That's that's hey, been the thing with him. When you want to go over the American League MVP situation. I'm, I'm go for it anytime you want. I mean, whenever you want to go through that, I might have one number that may sway you. Because I was watching our favorite show, uh, MLB Now, and it, they act like it's so clear-cut. Tom Verducci, who, friend of the program, Sports Illustrated, clear-cut. I, I'm not. I'm not so sure. I may have a stat for you that might change the way you feel about it. Just saying, when, when you're ready to go over that, but we're not going to start with that. We're starting with what we got going right here. This is four games, survival of the fittest. Whoever dominates this series moves on with a shot. Whoever punts this series is probably done with what 13 games left 
Yeah, and the A's are four and eight for Seattle this year. Oh, that doesn't matter. None of that matters. Yeah, and the guy you got haven't picked. seen you haven't seen these guys in forever. A's are a different ball club now. A's are playing better. They're a streaky team. So and Seattle. Right, and right now they're streaky good as they've won five in a row. I think you just got to be honest, right? Who I mean, now if you split the series two and two, that's a different deal. But if anybody comes out and they take three or four or sweep a four-game set, which usually doesn't happen because, obviously, that is really tough to do, sweep four games in one in big league baseball. But if you take three or four, if anybody takes three or four here, the other team's probably done. Unless, you, unless you're going to pull off some heroic run uh, at the very end, it, it is what it is. And it might come down to just this. How bad these bullpens have been. The Mariners have lost five of their last eight games, and their bullpen has allowed 25 runs in 26 innings in that stretch. That's a 7.62 ERA, including seven home runs. And remember, it was like, oh, they're going to get rid of Kendall Graveman. How do you think their bullpen has fared since they got rid of Kendall Graveman? Uh, not good because the only guy I can think of out of their bullpen that's been that's pitched pretty well, because Castillo, who they got from the race, who they said that's gonna be the guy that's gonna replace him because he's under control, blah blah blah, was Paul Seawald, and, and he pitches pretty well. But other than that, you don't really have a guy in your bullpen. You're kind of Sean Doolittle's pitching in either bullpen. Our, our our old friend Sean Doolittle. How is Sean doing? Uh, I saw him earlier actually. Uh, he's scheduled to join us either tomorrow or Wednesday. I'm waiting for his confirmation, but. Um, he's having kind of a rough start with Seattle. I mean, he's just having a rough year overall. It's, but their bullpen, if you th- when you think of how good they were with Kendall Graveman and Seawald and the other guys they had, they were great. And then they got rid of Graveman, and it, I don't know, they started going downhill. If you look at their bullpen numbers just from September 1st through now, they're 5-4 and four with a 4.68 ERA. They have three blown saves, and they've given up 10 home runs in that, in that span. That's, That's only- not what I asked you. I asked you how bad have they been since they traded Ken- Kendall Graveman. Oh, it's hor- horrible. Uh that was on July 27th. The only AL team, and this doesn't sound good, A's fans, by the way. The only AL team with as many blown saves as the Mariners 11 since July 27th is who? Oakland. It's Oakland. They're tied. So when I look at this series and you want to handicap this series, you can talk. You know, so many times people say, how does the starting pitching line up? I mean, come on, last night, you know what we saw yesterday? We saw Frankie Montas dominating at 87 pitches and cruising, and he was taken out in the seventh. And the bullpen squeaked by by the skin of their teeth. Back-to-back games, Saturday and Sunday, they squeaked by by the skin of their teeth. So this series, to me, it is all about the bullpens. Since the start of September, the A's bullpen is set, has an ERA of 7.01. That's 48 Ernie's and 61 and two-thirds. Second worst in all baseball. The only team in September that has a worse bullpen than the A's in ERA is the Baltimore Orioles. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked by that. They've only lost 102 or three games now. But that really is what it's going to come down to. This series, this four-game set, 
how are the bullpens going to perform? Tell me what the bullpens will look like for not only the Mariners, but also the athletics after these four games. Coming up next, Vince Catronio will join us right here on the field from Ricky Henderson Field. You're listening to A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course. One of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. On this date, Vince Catronio. I'm aware. A guy that grew up in New York. You want to know how much the game has changed? Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle hit his last home run, number 536. That put him third all time, only behind Ruth and Mays. Yep. Boy, this game's changed. It has. Well, <laughs> it's uh, there's a lot of guys that have pushed past him, and they're more coming. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just shows you the the evolution of the game. But still, no one has hit more home runs as a switch hitter. I wonder what would have, how his career would have played out had he not had that incident with the drainage ditch, the drainage uh, thing, and in, in right center field between him and Joe DiMaggio when they kind of converged on a ball and wrecked his knee, and he had to play with a bad knee the entire career, basically. Did that in like in 50, was it 51, 52, somewhere is when that happened to him, World Series? Well, like if he played now and had that surgery, it, you know, it'd be a whole different deal with, with sure. modern technology and he would have been able to rehab and get her going again. But truly one of the great players of all time. We think about a switch hitter, center fielder, a triple crown winner for God's sakes. Yeah, he's more than, more than one occasion. I mean, just special, special player. I was I was after Mantle growing. I mean, I was a Yankee fan. My two favorite players were Thurman Munson and Bobby Mercer. I used to imitate Mercer's batting stance from the left side as a kid. Had a Mickey Mantle bat from Bat Day from 100 years ago, and also you know I was a catcher as a kid. I wore 15 like Thurman Munson, so those guys are ingrained in in my baseball life for sure. We always like to talk baseball and baseball history with you. Uh, Salvador Perez passes Johnny Bench. And in home runs for a single season for a catcher. And then all of a sudden, people kind of forget about Johnny Bench and start talking about, is this the greatest season for a catcher? And what they forget is Johnny Bench didn't have a DH uh, opportunity playing in the National League and when he did at that time. And also the RBIs are going to also go in Johnny Bench's favor. How do you compare these two seasons against each other? I don't think you can, but that's the great debate about the sport. So people try to take different errors and they try to put them in comparison side by side saying, well, A versus B equals C, and it doesn't work that way, I don't think. You know, he had, what, 145 RBIs that yeah. year. He was 22 years of age when he did it in 1970. He had 40 home runs again a second time in his career. You know, Johnny Bench is the standard when it comes to catching, you know, in terms of what happened in Major League Baseball. And, uh, and I think Johnny's had some fun with it. Uh, he's got two young boys now at home in Florida, so he kind of he, he gets the social media part of it a little bit, and he's been rooting for Salvador Perez, and uh, he, he understands what it's been like. And Perez just completely changed the way 
he approached things at the plate. I mean, you look at his strikeouts, they're through the roof. His walks, which he didn't do much anyway, are down. He's basically trying to do one thing, which is what we're seeing. He's trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark, which he's not alone. A lot of guys do that in, in today's game, and I think that's why it's different to try to make those comparisons. It's a completely different type of game now and, and, and different type of ways to, to get information, different types of, different types of ways to, to uh, interpret what you're seeing. And, it's, and the other side of it is it's still hard to hit. Like we were talking a couple days ago, Ken and I, you know, Starley Marte was 0 for, for Anaheim, you know, against the Angels. Yeah, he's what? like 0 for 13 right now, yeah. and I'm, I'm worried. Yeah. Well, he's also <laughs> hitting seven in a row at home at 14 of his last 15 in this ballpark. He'll be fine. But the point being was in one of those games that he was 0 for 4, 0 for 5, he faced four different pitchers. You know, that's something that Johnny Bench never did. He faced the guy, you know, for three and a half, if not four, all four at-bats in his career. It's, a, it's just a different game. Just, it's, just, it's, it's, it's a talking sport. It's, this sport is debated more by people from different eras than you, than you see people talking about quarterbacks of today and quarterbacks of, like I was a Joe Namath fan growing up, Joe Namath back in the 60s and early 70s or before that with the guys that, were, that uh, introduced the passing game uh, to the NFL. So it's just the, the conversation is much more lively. It's much more impassioned, especially for uh, the older folks that saw players play a certain way. The athletes today are bigger, faster, stronger. We know that. And people that that evaluate players for a living will tell you that as well. Now, do they do they have the same kind of – do they play the game the same way that they did 15, 20 years ago? No. But they play a different game. And in, in, in some respects, they do things that those players could never could never imagine seeing happen. They're, the athleticism that you see from a Fernando Tatis Jr. playing shortstop or, you know, take your pick of – Different players, you know, Matt Chapman at third base, what he does at third base for the A's. Uh, you just you didn't see that quite to the level that you see now. Joe Willie, the only guy that could wear a mink coat and pantyhose on the sidelines. I had Joe Namath on one wall of my room, <laughs> and I had Walt Frazier on the other wall of my room. Can you can you imagine Joe Namath and Ken Stabler at the <laughs> University of Alabama at the same time? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been wild. I'm sure Bear Bryant was on him. Um, and Comparing sports, which is very interesting, because if you talk NFL, if you talk NBA, you talk NHL, somebody who just is on a bad team but has great stats has no chance of ever being an MVP. you got to be on a winning team. Like, you could be a quarterback that has a bazillion yards, a bazillion touchdown passes, but if you're 3-13, and you got no shot. But you're but, saying that exists in baseball is what you're saying. But in baseball, you can be Shohei Otani. I mean, I have a note here about how, I mean, he's been bad in the second half right. offensively. Right. I think he's hitting like since August. I mean, I got somewhere. He's hitting like 205. Mm. You know. Um, I hey, lived it with Alex Rodriguez in 2003. When yes. He, when he won the MVP for a team that finished in last place. His numbers were great. He had 52 home runs, 120-something RBIs. But he didn't. He led the league in home runs, but he didn't lead in RBIs, didn't lead in batting average. There were other players that were on teams that were – uh, in a situation where they could compete further, that that didn't get the votes that he got to win the MVP in in, in 2003. So you're, to your point, you're 100% correct. Yeah, I mean, Shohei Otani's hitting uh, 205 with a 676 OPS, only 12 RBIs, 54 strikeouts in 44 games since the start of August. Yeah, but can Vlad Guerrero strike out 10? I, but. He doesn't go all the time. What is it? I mean, it's it's if if he pitched every five days, I think I'd be different. 
And I think there's no question Vladimir Guerrero, what he had three more hits yesterday, what he's doing to keep the Blue Jays, and it's a good lineup. But I just, I don't know how I feel. I just, I understand the greatness of Shohei Otani, but most, I've got a most valuable player trophy at my house. I know what it means for a guy to lead a team to the playoffs versus a guy who goes out and just amasses a bunch of stats. Right, and then the debate is can you make a player of the year category for for the player like Otani who's doing something that we quite frankly just have never seen period I mean there's there's no other way to to look at this other than to admit that what he's doing is something we have never seen and we will likely never see again and you have to put that in perspective of what that player is doing whether his team is is winning or not how do you how do you find that that niche for him to say that he is the best player that year in a league is it because he's the player of the year but not but not the most valuable player and that's what I think they need. That the Hank Aaron Award, Hank Aaron Award, is doesn't include the pitching side of what Otani has done. So, you know that, that that's the debate. And like I've, I said this with you a couple of days ago, I think at least this year, at least year one, where he's doing it more than he's ever done it before. He's hitting more than he's ever before. He's pitched more than he's ever before. I think this year belongs to Otani. Moving forward is different. Now, if Vlad gets 50 home runs, which he's he's got a chance to certainly in that ballpark, and if he you know leads the league in batting average but loses the RBI thing, why, why is he not the MVP? Um, I don't have the answer for that. It's That's why I don't have a vote. Yeah, we don't have a vote. Uh, how big is – are you talking about this four-game set? How big is this series? Well, I don't think you can – I don't think you can look at it as a four-game set. I think that's where you – that's the trap. I love it. It's tonight. It's today. It is. It has to be. I mean, that's, that's got them to the point where they won five in a row because they focused on that day. And I think as you, as you have conversations with the players – on this club, all the time it's been this quiet confidence and this quiet belief that even though when things were going sideways, when they were losing tough games like they were against the Giants and losing tough games like they did against Toronto, that while they that was that didn't help, it didn't make them completely sink the ship. They stayed calm, they stayed confident, and we're seeing that now. And maybe we still have this one stretch of seeing this club play uh, the consistent kind of baseball, putting it all together. If they can put it all together against these two teams that they have not played well against, uh, it'll be interesting because they, the problem with the Mariners with the A's is that the A's have played the Mariners' style of games, low-scoring, close games. The A's have lost those games. They have to find a way to jump ahead, hold on to the lead, hold them off, don't allow them to score late, to your point about the bullpen, and then we'll see what happens after that. But it just it's just today. and th- Tomorrow doesn't matter unless you do something today. I love the mentality. There is no tomorrow if you don't win today. That's right, Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a good call tonight. All right, brother. The great Vince Catronio right here on A's Cast Live. We are not going to break. Uh, we're going to go right into Cole Irvin as we'll be talking to the left-hander about uh, another good outing. There's no question about it. And when you think about what the A's have been doing and starting pitching, I mean, it, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. I think there's no question about it. And uh, Cole is going to join us once again as we get you ready for a little A's baseball. The A's going to be taking on the Seattle Mariners. What's happening? Oh, you know, just power shagging out there. Now we're here and enjoying the beautiful weather today. How much do you enjoy shagging? Some guys love it. Some guys hate it. Certain days it's a little bit of a drag, but there's other days where, you know, you get to power shag, you get to, well, we can't slide or anything. That's what I used to do in college is 
literally try oh, to slide. Oh, if you were out there dive. sliding, people would be freaking oh, out. Oh, yeah, no, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> but I do have my fun and, you know, try to run after balls and think that I'm still an athlete. You know, we, we've talked to you before. You know, it's one of the great stories of you growing up so close to the big A and you were on the maintenance crew and pitching there at home. I, I, you know, and you threw such a good ball game. I mean, it's got – I mean, it's it, – got to be on, like, cloud nine. Yeah, I, I was. And especially, you know, it's – right now, you know, we're in a we're in the thick of things and, you know, team wins matter most. But uh, my friends made my 10th win a little special, so they all met it. Um, met me afterwards for, for a drink and celebrated that 10th that win, um, you know, my first 10-win season. So, I mean, it was uh, – you know, earned and, and, you know, I had to battle through, you know, early parts of that game. And so, I mean, it was just a good thing, you know, all in all and got to be able to be with fam family and friends and, and enjoy the moments there. Well, I can't tell you how proud I am of you because I think about when this thing first started and our buddy Kevin Franzen's calling us going, you got to get this guy on and you were going go-karting and, and then <laughs> here we are. This is the best year of your career. And I know you got, you still got to finish this thing out, but you know, what you've done here with the athletics, just talk about it. It's been the best season of your career. Yeah, it's been, I mean, not only just as a personal standpoint, but just more so as a team. I mean, I've loved the group that we've been been playing, yeah, been playing with. And, um, you know, this team is just so unique, and, and we all care for each other. And I have so many friends in this locker room, um, you know, just, just being here, spending all this time together. And I have a lot of respect for what's going on, you know, just – just they do everything right here and i think that's just kind of the the comfort um piece to kind of maybe why i've had some success and um you know i there's obviously parts of my game that i that i definitely need to improve and um and, and grow on but it's been it's been a great learning experience for a first year in the big leagues and um you know picking the ball up every fifth day so when i i think about your group not every staff gets along right all you guys seem to get along really well, <laughs> which that doesn't always happen. There's some, and it's just reality. You're dealing with human beings. Some right. guys are just not as friendly with others. Just talk about what this five, your guys five, and, you know, Caps come in, you know, Jeffrey's at, at some point has been around. Just talk about what this group's been like. You know, I, I, we, we just, uh, you know, we care about each other. We care about each other's success, and we all want to have a successful season together. And so I think those conversations about, when we're not competing at certain times or we are competing at certain times or we're making bad pitches here or, you know, we need to throw a certain pitch to this person and we see it in the dugout. It's that communication that, that we're having in the dugout that, that gain a lot of trust. And, uh, you know, in my start the other day, I, I threw Fletcher a sinker that wasn't where I needed it to be, but it was down and it was a good pitch respectively to, to a pretty good hitter. And I walked up to Bass and I said, hit me in the head. I said I, I can't be throwing a sinker to him because that's what that that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to take a pitch the other way, and and so that was just like, just for me to go up to him in an outing and be able to be like, hey, you're gonna be mad at me for doing this. Hit me in the head now, so that way I don't do it next time. And it's kind of like that that self uh, <laughs> that that self awareness thing where, where where you're recognizing that you made a bad pitch, and then you go to a teammate that tells you you know, a hundred times over to not make that pitch to a guy. That's, that's literally the respect that we have for all of, all of each other. You know, we, we talk about, you know, pitching, you know, every day. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And, um, the group just, you know, Sean Mania is definitely a character. So is Bass. And, you know, when you got two guys that are pretty, pretty loose, 
um, you, you loosen up yourself. And so I think a lot of guards come down and um, more so than maybe some other teams. And that's just what I've just enjoyed about this group is being able to still be competitive and also have a lot of fun. What will it mean to your group when Chris Bassett gets back on the mound? Um, I'll let you know because, I mean, we're all excited to see him back out there. Um, I think everyone's been watching his pens and watching his, you know, we, a lot of us were out there watching his live the other day in, in Anaheim. So I honestly am I'm excited. I think it's going to be a big boost of, of morale for sure. Um, just him being around the team is, is already boosted morale enough. But more so, um, when he's competing, he's one of the biggest competitors on this club. So um, it's going to be really nice to have him back, and, and especially in this last you know 13 games here, we're, we're well prepared, and, and having him back is going to be a, a huge boost for, for us moving forward. How much do you like the sense of a fight to the finish, every game matters, Forget about tomorrow. You got to win today, or tomorrow doesn't matter. That's what baseball is all about. It's it's you know we play 162 to get to this point, and our playoffs start a little bit sooner. So that's kind of how at least I'm uh, perceiving it is that our our postseason starts today, and uh, you know it started maybe on that last road trip is, is we had to start winning ball games and. Here we are. We're, we're, you know, we're two games back, and you know, you try not to look at standings, but you can't help it. Sometimes we're all human, <laughs> and and where they're putting the scores up for God's <laughs> sakes, scoreboard's already out. Yankees, Texas, zero zero in the second. I mean, it's tough not to look it's, at. It's it. hard not to look at it, and you know, at the end of the day, we, we understand what's going on elsewhere, but you know, we we understand we need to win today, and, and I think that's that's what's fun about this game and this time of year is is we're all fighting for each other. We're fighting for this for this ball club to get to the postseason and and our postseason just starts a little bit sooner and that's kind of the mindset that i think we all have you know you learn how to do it at the big league level where you pitch once every five days right yeah what do you think the biggest thing for you growth wise as a professional has happened for you this season um understanding understanding rest when you need it um i think that's the biggest thing that i've i've had to learn is uh, I'm, I'm trying to throw bullpens as much as I can and, and get as many workouts in as much as I can, but there's times in the year that that I can take maybe a, you know this bullpen day off and maybe move it around or throw a little bit lighter here and there. So it's that navigation part of it I haven't yet experienced, and so um, this year has been the, the biggest part for my professional growth. I mean, the, the video and the stuff that I do off the field to you know be ready every fifth day hasn't ever changed. Um, I got back into doing a lot more of that stuff, whereas on the on-field, understanding where your body's out, your your recovery, uh, all of that stuff is, is extremely important, and, and I've learned the value of maintaining your body uh, for six months rather than five, because that extra month added as a starter is, is definitely a, a game changer um, and is, is unique and something that I've had to learn through so far this month. and. I feel like I've, I, I'm happy with my routine. There's a couple things that I, I'm going to adjust for potentially next season, but we're, I'm not even worried about that yet. we got we got another two weeks here and, and hopefully another month. I know they're going to try and wrap me up soon, so i got to say <laughs> I got to say this. You're welcome. You're welcome. Why I told that? you the Oregon Ducks were going to be good. <laughs> I told you. You went you into the horseshoe. You beat Ohio yes, State. Yes, we did. We left a little rubber ducky in the center, center of the stadium. 
Like we, we, yeah, we went in there with a mission and we're now number three. Today came out, we're ranked number three. It's good. SC's firing their coach. UCLA can't beat Fresno State. UC, uh, Utah lost to San Diego State. Yeah. You yeah. guys are the leader in the pack. Arizona State has a big loss. I mean, yeah. look out for the Ducks. Yeah, yeah. Michigan lost to Washington, or Michigan beat Washington. Badly. You know, badly. So, I mean, who knows? I don't like when Washington State's on the uh, on the calendar for us because I always get nervous of that game. For whatever reason, we can't handle the, the Cougars up there in Washington State. So, um, What's that, Pullman? In Pullman, yeah. yeah. So, if we're ever going there, know that that week I'm nervous. Um, so, but outside of that, I think I like our schedule. Oh, and when we go to Arizona, when we go to Arizona, that's tough too. But I don't know why that's such a bad deal, but it is. But you know what? I love college football. It's the best time of year. Every Saturday from here on out, I wear my Ducks t-shirt. So you'll see me that wearing that quite a bit. You kidding me? My San Jose State Spartans were playing in Hawaii, so that's always <laughs> the late game. Yeah. And in casinos, that's the chase game. I, I was, I'm up on my couch at like, and I know I got to get up and do pregame the next day. It's like 1 a.m. and I'm watching that game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to watch all you Taking can. Taking down the rainbows. Yeah, this time of year is the best time of year. You got pro football, you got college football, and Saturday and Sundays are just are the best time of year. That, you know. And then for me, hockey's starting in a week and a half, so uh, I know there's a lot of probably Sharks fans listening to this, but let's go Red Wings. Really, Detroit. <laughs> well, that, that's why I always say this time of the year is because, like, we got the Ryder Cup coming up. We got baseball, we got college football, the NFL. My Raiders are 2-0. I'm very happy. You mentioned hockey and NBA. This is like the best time of the year for sports. Correct. You got every sport starting up. You got, you know, baseball getting into the postseason. It's going to be a lot of fun moving forward. And, and uh, yeah. But, hey, you mind if I plug something real quick? Yeah, go I'm right starting ahead. a YouTube channel. For all those who are listening, you can just search uh, YouTube.com forward slash Cole Irvin. And uh, starting a YouTube channel, doing a little pitching 101 for any parents that you know want to teach their kids how to pitch and stuff, trying to do it the safe way. And then I'm um, also sharing some stuff I like to do off the diamond in the off season. So uh, just trying to plug that a little bit as much as I can. Um, I'll be posting about it more in October because that's when I'm going to launch the official channel um, with all the videos. Well, this is where all the A's fans hang out. So any way we can help you, you let us know. I will. I will. This is the first public announcement. Yeah. I'm glad I did it here. You let us help you. <laughs> right? I mean, that's how that's how this thing works, right? Yeah. Well, this has, now the A's fans will know, and we'll run this interview over and over again, and next thing you know, they'll all be watching your YouTube channel. Give it out once again what it is. Yeah, it's YouTube.com forward slash Cole Irvin. I also have uh, links in my in my bios on Twitter and Instagram, um, Swervin underscore Irvin 19 on, on those handles. So, yeah, youtube.com forward slash Cole Irvin. Well, once the season, end, season ends, let's stay in touch, and we'll help any way we can. Absolutely. Well, hey, good luck in this series. Got to win today. Win today. It's all about winning today. One day at a time. And go Ducks. And go Ducks. We got more coming up <laughs> next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course, one of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com.
Streaming from Ricky Henderson Field, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. That's right, it is A's Cast Live from Ricky Henderson Field as the Mariners are taking BP. The sun is starting to go down. We're getting into the shadows now. Which is a good thing. But yeah, for us. But it's been a beautiful day here in Oakland. I mean, there's no question about it. Just an absolute beautiful day. Uh, what do we? I don't even. Oh, okay, go ahead. Do your part. So I, I want to give an update for everyone coming to the game tonight. Uh, there's a. It's a parking update. B lot will not be available for tonight's game. We recommend fans park in the north parking lots. Rideshare will also take place at 66 Ave tonight instead of through Baldwin Street. So there's your update. B lot will not be available for tonight's game. So we recommend fans park in the north parking lots. Rideshare will also take place at 66 Avenue tonight instead of through Baldwin Street. So there's your parking update for A's Mariners game one on a Monday evening. Game one of four. Ryan Divis from Seattle Times will be joining us coming up here at 5 o'clock as we'll talk about how big this series is not only for the athletics, but how big it is for the Mariners. You got these two teams on the outside looking in. It's do or die. Right? You just heard Cole Irvin just say, it's playoff baseball. Yeah. For the A's have been playing playoff baseball, and they've responded by winning five in a row. Now, the thing about the A's is they've been able to beat people that have under 500 records. The A's are 16 games under 500 against teams that are over 500. They're 28 and 44. That ranks 21st in Major League Baseball. Now, I did the uh, the head-to-head comparisons for the Athletics versus the Seattle Mariners. And to kind of give you an idea how these two teams have gotten to where they have gotten. And you, you kind of see the differences. So, this is game 149 for both these teams. The A's are 82-67, and 67, while the Mariners are 80-69. and 69. In the division, the A's are six games back. The Mariners are eight. In the wild card, the A's are two games back of the final spot, while the Mariners are four. Now, the A's at home are 40 and 34. And the A's on the road are 42 and 33. Mariners have been a little bit better at home. T-Mobile Park now, not Safeco, at 42 and 33. On the road... Not so hot, just two games over 500 at 38 and 36. But that's really what you want to be. You want to be 500 on the road. So so where the Mariners have been better than the A's, the Mariners are 19 and 15 against the East, while the A's are just 15 and 18. Here's the biggest swing. Well, here, I'll go through the other ones. I'll show you the biggest swing, the difference between the A's. You want to guess what the biggest difference is when you talk about what division you play? The AL Central. So in the West, the A's are 33 and 30. They improved their mark. Remember, they were deep under 500 at the time, but beating up on the Angels changed that. Uh, Mariners have been great in division at 37 and 26. Interleague play, A's are 11 and 9. They're 9 and 11. Here's the big swing against the Central, which we know the Central isn't very good. The A's have taken care of business. They, the Mariners, are just 15 and 17 versus the Central, while the A's are 23 and 10. 
So you want to know the big difference between the A's, why the A's have the have a better record than the Mariners? It's beating up on the bad teams in the Central. That's been the deal. And but all that doesn't matter now, right? I mean, if we start talking about this is a playoff game, all of that does not matter anymore. It just doesn't. And that's the fun of what baseball is. Both these teams have put themselves in a hole. And, you know, the reality is you win today, you're happy about tomorrow. You lose today and you're looking at the standings and you're going, okay, what happened with New York? What happened with Toronto? What happened with Boston? Do you have that cut from Jan Gomes? Uh, I do, yeah. I thought this was really telling yesterday. It, Vince Catroni had Jan Gomes on as the uh, player after a win interview. And you wonder, you know, Lou was going so good what he had, 14 straight saves at one point, and then all of a sudden fell off the cliff, and you're just like, you, it, it was like, when do you pitch this guy? He can't get anybody out. Jan Gomes said something yesterday, and, and we've noticed it recently, but Jan Gomes said something, and it makes total sense. There is a far different idea of how to attack hitters as a reliever slash closer than as a starter. And this is something that takes over time for you to learn as a guy that grew up as a starter, who'd been in the minor leagues as a starter, and then all of a sudden you're like Andrew Chafin and you say, failed starter. How do you get guys out? Well, Jan Gomes said this to Vince Catronio, and that's why I wanted to pull this because I thought – this answer tells you so much about why you are seeing Lou Trevino get people out once again. Yeah, the changeup uh, started becoming his go-to pitch. Uh, I think we've recognized that a couple outings ago. Um, but really, um, he's got you know a good mix all around. Um, as a closer, I I'd hate for a guy to have like four different pitches because you know trying to figure pitches out as it goes. So we try to you know eliminate that and try to go with one or two pitches. And then if he's got a wipeout, go to it. Um, he was doing a tremendous job getting ahead of guys, you know, going to his curveball when he needed, you know, slowing guys down. And then, um, like you said, going to his changeup for an out. And that's why you have a veteran catcher. Because the veteran catcher can say, hey, listen, I know you got two different breaking balls. But as a closer, when you need to get three outs, you need to be good at those. You got to be good at two pitches. That's why you look at, you name me the great closer. Help, Mariano Rivera had one pitch. He had one. You think of the great Trevor Hoffman. He had fastball changeup. I mean, the, the great, you know, Bruce Suter was throwing the split finger. I mean, all the great closers and guys who are in the Hall of Fame pretty much had two pitches. Because what ends up happening is when you're warming up down in the bullpen and it's the final three outs and it's all the pressure and sometimes you're coming in with guys on, if you've got four pitches, which one's working this day? And you've got to remember, too, when you're down there in the bullpen, there might be a pitch that doesn't work that may work when you get out on the mound. But that's what starters do. Bullpen guys got to come in, and in today's bullpen guys – you come in, 
and you want to blow people away, a fastball changeup combination, keeping it so simple and not worrying about release point with breaking balls. Because I'll never forget two years ago, Lou Trevino had a rough outing in Detroit. This is when he didn't have the greatest of years. And I was sitting there down the steps of the dugout in Detroit, and Lou came off, and he was very upset, and there was this workout room right right where I was, and I watched him go in there, and all he was doing was working on his release point. Well, he's got four different pitches, and it's kind of all over the place. It's much easier the way the fastball and the changeup, it's the same release point. And the only difference, it's the same arm speed. The only difference is the grip from a fastball to a changeup, a traditional changeup, like a circle change. It's the old KISS system. Keep it simple, stupid. And that's what's going on right now. And a guy like Jan Gomes can say to him, hey, listen, man, I like your breaking balls, but we got to get people out in the ninth, and right now your changeup's awesome. So let's just go fastball changeup. And you know what that also does? It frees up Lou. That's a big thing. You need freedom when you're out there on the mound in the ninth inning. That's where the pressure, that's a pressure cooker. And how are you going to get those outs? Do I need you out there going, well, what feels good? It's my curveball, it's my slider, it's, you know. A lot of the great closers, it's fastball and whatever your out pitch is. And right now, the out pitch that's working and that they're going to is a changeup. And some people may say, hey, Chris, at one point you said, I don't even think you can pitch. Lou Trevino in, in, a, in, a, in a crucial situation. I'm not backtracking. He's changed. He's made adjustments that have said, okay, he now can get back into that role because he made those adjustments. Because if the same Lou Trevino who's out there and doesn't know his release point and he's not throwing strikes and the ball's all over the place and he doesn't know what's working, today, is it the slider, is it the curveball, is it the chain? That guy doesn't work in the ninth. But if you're giving me 95-96 that has movement and a change that has terrific movement, now I, I feel I feel more confident. Hell, forget about me. Bob Melvin feels more confident now when you have a guy like that. How many hits do you think Lou Trevino has given up this year with this, on his changeup? Probably not a lot. Four. Four, Four hits on his changeup, three singles, one double. He struck out 14 uh, opposing hitters are hitting 114. They're expecting batting average is 135. So they're hitting 114 off his changeup. What are they hitting off of his sinker this year? Which is that he throws the most. Uh, that'd be 315, Ugh. and he's going to 23 hits of that. And then the next highest is his cutter. They're hitting 267 off of that, which he throws uh, the third most. So he, he's a sinker, four-seam, cutter, changeup, curveball pitcher. But now if he's going fastball changeup, hitter's only hitting 171 versus four-seam. And they're hitting 114 versus changeup. That's a that's a good mix to have. And it, and his curveball, uh, 0.43 batting average against his curveball. But keep it with the changeup fa fastball changeup. Go well with the breaking balls. He has trouble throwing strikes. And if you're a closer that's getting into hitters counts versus pitchers counts, that's no good. And right now, if I can pump fastballs with a changeup, I mean, it makes Lou a different guy. And, and, and Lou right now, and, I mean, it's it's only been a couple outings, but, I mean, Lou might be once again the one guy because Andrew Chafin, who was on our program, who just said fastball up, fastball down, breaking ball in the dirt. That's not working right now because that breaking ball is in the dirt. The breaking ball has been spinning, and it's been spinning right over the middle. And so 
I mean, and then Romo, I don't think there's a whole lot of faith in Romo right now. I mean, we, we, you know, you're back to, I mean, once again, I mean, when your bullpen's got a 7 ERA in September, that doesn't mean you're going to have a whole lot of confidence in a lot of people. But uh, I think we're back to Lou as the guy. It's, I mean, that's what you have to do. I mean, the guy was, he was almost an all-star this year for what he was doing before, you know, the struggles he had, or what, a few weeks ago up until now. So we're, I, I broke down all of his numbers for you. You know, he need, relying on the fastball change up his second and fourth most reliable pitches that he had this year, making them his number one and two. That's a good thing because their bull, the bullpen has struggled, obviously. I mean, we went over the numbers since September 1st. They've been pretty gaudy. Uh, they're on what, second, second highest ERA in baseball behind just the Orioles in that span. So uh, if you can get Lou Trevino back right, and then you have faith in a guy that can pitch the ninth inning, because you're right. I mean, I watched these games too, and I was listening even when I was away for the last couple of days. I mean, yesterday with, in the ninth inning, watching what happened before he came in with, with Romo. It just he, – he had that confidence going for the what – for how many outings in a row, then he just – he hasn't looked the same since. I don't know if, if, he, if his slider's not breaking the right way, if he's throwing it too up in the zone. And the same thing with Chafin. He's not getting the guys to swing and miss as much and at his breaking ball in the dirt. So you got to figure these things out. Well, and, and you got to remember, Lou has a good fastball, but this isn't 99 to 100. You know, the, these guys – these guys seeing 94, 95 is not something that's going to freak them out. I mean, they're seeing this, and I remember that was something that Jay Hay said earlier, and I remember we cut that up because I remember listening to that in the postgame where he just goes, everybody throws hard. So you're just used to that. But what changes for someone like Lou, now when you're just going fastball change, and now when the hitter has to know you've got that change up as an out pitch, that 94, 95 can now look – 98-99 cuz of that change up in the movement. As long as you keep the same arm speed between your fastball and your changeup, once again, it's only changing the grip. You see that how nasty it can be and you know, lose fragile. There's there's no doubt about it. Like when Lou's going good and he has great confidence, he can mow through lineups. When Lou doesn't have that, he becomes very hittable. But right now, he's got that confidence and you've got to ride him. That's the that that's the bottom line. All right, Ryan Divish, is he coming down to us? Yes, he is. From the Seattle yeah. Times? All right, we'll find out what's going on with the Seattle Mariners next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course. One of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. A's Cast Live continues from the East Bay. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, Ryan, it's good to have you on. I've had you on a couple of my programs, but good to have you here on A's Cast Live. How are you? I'm good. How about you? Really good. What do you think about our setup? Not bad? Oh, this is pretty good. Uh, just as long as the nets are working properly, you know, you don't want to you don't want to take a ball to the head or anything like that. I mean, I, I don't know about the Mariners hitters and what they could do or not do here. We, we get some ran, we get some random ground balls over here every once in a while, but uh, you, you're pretty much good here. Uh, such an interesting series, a four-game set. Really, we've been talking about it with A's players. I'm sure the Mariners feel the exact same way. Like every game, it's a playoff series. I mean, every game's do or die at this point. Yeah, you really can't lose, especially if you're the Mariners, because they've got three teams ahead of them, and so they. 
they've they've kind of slipped up at home and, and they played okay on the road, so they can't really afford to lose any games. I think their tragic number is at ten or I don't know. I was trying to calculate it out, but they they are in a position where losing is not really an option. Well, the one thing that you think about with these two teams, and it's just a reality, is that the Mariners have had their way with the A's this year. Yeah, it's been pretty surprising. They've played the A's better than than they have in a lot of the past years, and and really they they looked much better at times, and that's not something we've seen. You know, they really took advantage of the A's bullpen when the A's were having all those struggles. Trevino was struggling a little bit. The Mariners really made a lot of hay against those guys, and they were able to win a lot of those games. Yeah, when I think about this series, I said, you know, I can look at the notes here about, you know, blown saves, the two teams since since Kendall Graveman, our old buddy Kendall, since he left on July 27th, A's and Mariners both have the most blown saves at 11. I, would, would you say that the key to this series, whose bullpen shows up and whose doesn't? Yeah, I think so because the Mariners just don't score enough runs to blow anybody out. Uh, they, I mean, if you look at it, the run differential, they've got a, a big negative run differential. And part of it is, is like, you know, when they win a game, it's by one run or two runs. And when they lose a game, they get their butts kicked. I mean, it's like by seven or eight. You know, they go to Houston. Every game I think they've beaten Houston by this year has been less than two runs. And every game they've lost by has been more than five runs. So, yeah, they, they play a type of game where the bullpen matters. And they're going to go match up. Um, Right now, if they're rested enough, they'll go match up. They'll pull that starter in the fifth inning and treat it like a uh, playoff game. They did that with Kikuchi especially, and even Logan Gilbert, not so much this, this time, last time, but the outing before. So uh, you'll, see, you'll see Scott Service run them all out if he can because that's, that's the way they've won games and that's the way they've been effective. You know, we got the scoreboards out and right. We got the scoreboards out and left. I know these guys love to say, oh, I'm not looking at the scoreboards, but all the all the teams that the A's and the Mariners are chasing are going to be done here at some point. Oh, yeah. And you can't tell me from where the Mariners' dugout is looking directly at the AL scoreboard, you're not going to notice. No, they, they, they either – Either they all look and they all know, or they have one person that's designated to look and then relay the information through the, the dugout. And sometimes I wonder if it's not like the old junior high thing where they get all the information wrong, you know. So, oh yeah, the Yankees, they, they won, and then they'll be all, get it all wrong. But they all know what's going on because the moment they lose a game and we talk to them, they, they know what, what the cost has been. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm certain they'll be looking up there right now. Are you surprised they're still in it? Yeah, I... I've I have thought that this team multiple times they'll lose four or five in a row, and I've thought multiple times that they would be done. Like, okay, this is it. They're going to lose 10 of 12, 13 of 15, and then really kind of go back to where a lot of people expected them. But they just have shown a lot of moxie. Um, they just kind of play. I, I don't know how they do it sometimes because they don't have a great offensive team for, I don't know, for so long it was the first four guys carrying them. You know, you look at the, the bottom half of their order, they weren't getting any sort of production. It was all J.P. Crawford, Ty France, Mitch Hanniger, and Kyle Seeger. And if they those guys didn't hit home runs or drive in runs, they weren't going to win the game. But they just kind of pieced it together. Every time they've lost three or four in a row, they come back and win three and four in a row. And, and that's allowed them to stay in it as long as they have. What's crazy about this season, everybody's been streaky. Yeah. I mean, the A's have been so streaky. It's un- I mean, I... You look at the American League, I mean, everybody has been streaky. How many seasons have you seen like this before? Not like this. And I wonder if it's a factor of 
you know, the pitching depth and so many injuries throughout baseball, it affects that. So you'll see teams that are banged up, lose five, six in a row. And then you look at the way the hitting is this year and so many teams, you know, they're just so filled with strikeouts and they, you know, they go into lulls like that. I think that's part of it. But usually you don't see teams like this. Like the good teams are good. They're really good at seven out of ten, not win nine in a row and then lose five in a row. Yeah. It's more they win seven out of ten. And if they go on a, a lull, they only win five out of ten. And that's – but we haven't seen that. I mean, other than maybe the Rays. And, like, you look at the Mariners went one and five – or they went five and one against – or six and one against the Rays this season. And, and I mean, that's – you know, they go six and one against the Rays, and I think they went one and six against the – Detroit Tigers. Oh, we were just talking about it because I ha have it all down. I, I couldn't believe probably the biggest difference between these two teams is that the Mariners went 15 and 17 versus the Central. The A's went 23 and 10. Yeah, it, it the Mariners played horribly against Kansas City, against um, against Minnesota. They just gave away some games there against, and then and it speaks to the fact that they aren't significantly more talented than some of the worst teams in baseball. They've just played better because, for the most part, they played really clean defense. You know, they've cleaned up a lot of the problems that they've had defensively. They get just kind of enough hits. They've had a really good bullpen, and that's kind of how you win games late. You win a one-run game. I mean, for a while there, they had the best uh, record in one-run games, and then the whole Kendall Graveman fiasco and everything kind of had some issues there, and it just hasn't been quite the same. But I think also you're starting to see re uh, relievers fatigue. You know, you're seeing some guys that maybe, you know, they only played in 60 games last year. So the guys like Paul Seawald and JT Second or yeah, JT Second Rider, no, Drew Second Rider. I get them all mixed up. They're all a bunch of six five white guys down there. You know? <laughs> but um, you know, it's just like it's true. It's all no. You, you go to spring training and the reliever section of the clubhouse is all six foot four white guys with beards or stubble. It's like you know, I, I mean. Um, but, yeah, they, they, you've seen some guys kind of fatigue out a little bit. Or, you know, the Mariners have avoided the midseason injuries, but now they're starting to see some of that fatigue or just kind of the wear of the season on them. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to put it into numbers, but we are seeing the effects of having that shortened season. Yeah, and we don't know what it'll have next season either because the gu good point, guys yeah. are bumping up again. Or your prospects that went from no baseball last year to – 120 innings this year of pitching or whatever. So you, we could see some more injuries down the road. Um, I think teams are gotten smarter about how they handle injuries. You know, you're not, you know, you're not looked at as kind of a, a wimp if you if you have to pull yourself every once in a while because you know, if you think about it, the yeah, you might miss one game here or two games there, but the value of having you for eight of the ten games is more important. And so I think I think teams are getting better about treating injuries, and it's not. It's just not you don't know, you don't have that hero concept where I got to play through everything. Now, granted, like Kyle Seager is 33 years old and he's played in all but three games this year, you know, and he's been banged up a ton. But he also knows that they don't have any other choice when you're the you know middle of the order hitter and you're one of the few guys producing. You got to stay on the field, and so I think that's you know Mitch Haniger. I mean, he missed a year and a half of baseball uh, for four surgeries essentially. He's played in 139 games. I mean, nobody expected that, but that's kind of where they're at. And when they got close here in the last month or so, they had to play every day. I mean, just that's the way it was, and that's what you're supposed to do this time of year. Kyle Seeger, what do you think his future is? Yeah, I don't think they're going to pick up the option. It's going to be $20 million. Uh, all the escalators are going to push it up to $20 million, and that's a lot for a guy that's going to be 34 in a month. And I think – 
in a lot of ways, I think maybe it's just best. It's like some. It's like you know, you know, everybody has those friends that they just see the see them argue and argue. It's like maybe it's time for a divorce. It'll be mutually beneficial for both sides and for everyone around him. So I, I don't think he'll be back. I think the Mariners want to go in a different direction, and $20 million for one year is a lot. That's $20 million they can spend on multiple positions. They have multiple needs. You know, for all the success that this team has had this year, you look at next year, you probably won't have Seager. There is a chance they trade Mitch Haniger in the offseason because he's only got one year left on his deal. You say Kikuchi really hasn't shown you anything. they got to get starting pitching. They need a center fielder probably. They're going to need at least a third baseman or find some help, and they have money to spend. You know, they've talked about like, hey, we're going to add. Well, you better do it. You know, and so you got to spend. And I think they're going to look at starting pitching market heavily and maybe another infielder. They need some bats. They need real horses. You know, they, they've played well this year and they've overachieved. But I, I don't sit there and look at all that they did this year and say that's going to happen again next year. So Scott Service is going to be back. Where do you think they are? You know, it's supposed to be a rebuild, right? But yeah. You're, but you're winning, so – yeah, that's where the, are they? That's the thing is, and that's the thing is, like, had they been seven, you know, it's crazy. They played that that the game, the games against the A's right before the trade deadline. They took three of four, I think it was, in Seattle, and that put them to like one game back. And then they beat the Astros, and so they're right up against the trade deadline. Had they, you know, lost three or four, Mitch Haniger is probably not on this team right now. Paul Seawald, a couple of those guys are probably all traded because you know you're. You're just trying to move forward and add talent. Now I don't know. I think I just don't think you know exactly what you're going to get. You you know what you're going to get with Ty France right now. You presume to know, and you like you know what you're going to get from J.P. Crawford, who's been better offensively. But they have questions at catcher, at second base. You know, Jared Kelnick's a nice nice looking rookie who struggled, but is starting to hit. But he's not a true center fielder. Kyle Lewis, their starting center fielder, played in. 23 games and has had knee surgery his third knee sur- or third knee surgery in four years I mean I don't think that he's going to be their everyday center fielder because of the wear and tear you know they've got Julio Rodriguez in the minor leagues when does he come up but they and they have a lot of you know talented young pitching but they're, they're still several players away from I think being a product that you can go head to head with the A's or even with the Astros because you know A's have guys they have established guys that have performed in this league you're not looking at potential. You're looking at who they are. And I, I don't think that Matt Chapman's going to be this Matt Chapman next year. I think he's going to be better. You know, I think, I don't know. I mean, I know that there are several Mariners pitchers that would love to never see Mark Canna again because, it, <laughs> I mean, from a writer's standpoint, my God, the game takes forever because he goes 15 pitches to every time he's up. Like, let's just end the game here. You know, he would, he would fit perfectly for the Mariners, but I don't know. They're, the Mariners have some questions, and the one thing is, is like, free agents don't necessarily want to go to Seattle. You know, I know that Oakland deals with it too, but free free agents don't necessarily want to go to Seattle and live up in the Northwest, where every plane ride is two and a half hours minimum, and the travel aspects, the ballpark. You know, most players live in California, Texas, or Florida. They don't like being far from home, so that's the problem. And I, you know, that we've always said they have to pay 20% over market value for any free agent they bring in. And with the big name guys, they've done that. You know, they gave Robinson Cano 240 million. They were the only team to offer Nelson Cruz a fourth year, when everybody else was only offered three years at 14 million. So they've had to do extra. And then this offseason, they wouldn't do the extra, and that's what hurt them. They wouldn't give the extra year to Taiwan Walker. They wouldn't give the extra year to Colton Wong. And if you look at where this team is and how they perform, you think, well, 
that Daiwan Walker in their rotation when they only had four healthy guys for a while, that probably was a pretty good pickup where Colton Wong would have solidified a ton of the on-base problems and the defensive issues that they've had at second base. So, yeah, they're, you know, they made some mistakes this offseason by not by having a free agent philosophy that was trying to, to cheat the market because of COVID. And it was all based on their former president, Kevin Mather, who basically trashed the whole organization before getting let go. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. They have that reputation, too. Like, you know, they've offered Logan Gilbert a contract extension. I know they've, they've talked to Julio Rodriguez about trying to lock him up early to something team-friendly. But, I mean, like, if you're those guys, what do you do? You trust it? Do you trust what you've seen so far? So I, I'm I'm very curious to see what this off season is is has in store. And then we still have the whole CBA thing looming. I mean, yes. like, is that going to slow down the free agent market before we get going? Is it going to be like once that thing is solved, then it's going to be a mad rush? But I mean, they need to get they need to add starting pitching and some real talent, some proven established big league talent to the everyday lineup to really compete with these other teams. You know, what I'm about to ask you is not fair to these players because they had nothing to do with it. But when you look at the NFL, you look at the NBA, you look at the NHL, everybody's been to the playoffs since the Mariners have been in 2001. How much does that weigh on this organization? You know, it, it's funny, like Jerry, Jerry DePoto always sits there and says, oh, we can't think about that. We, You know, it's not all of our responsibility. And I'll say, well, like six years of it is your responsibility. And, you know, you were right there. I think a ton of it falls on the ownership group, but the players know it. They all know it. Like Kyle Seeger, he's going to leave here never even, you know, never playing in a playoff game. The closest he's been was being eliminated from the postseason on the final day of the season. You know, in 2016 and then 2018, they were playing the A's and, um, you know, they lost they lost a crazy series up there, a crazy game and were eliminated. You know, and that the hopes were there were slim. Essentially, they were just playing for the play in game more than they were for a postseason spot. But, yeah, I mean, Felix Hernandez, I mean, like, I don't know if he's ever going to come back and pitch, but he'll never have played in a postseason game if he's done. And Kyle Seager and a lot of guys that came through the organization that were good players that they couldn't do. And it falls on a lot of different people. Um, And, you know, I just think a lot of teams will sit there and say, oh, we want to win. We want to win. But the Mariners have never had the courage to really be definitive. Like they were never they were never commit the money or take the risk of investing a lot of money at the trade deadline, you know, picking up salaries to push them over the top in 16 and 18. They just didn't want to pick up the dollars. And then, you know, if you think about it, when you, this team was really starting to age out in the early 2000s and stuff, they wouldn't they wouldn't ever say the words rebuild because they didn't want to tear it down and try and start forward and find something fresh and rebuild. They always just tried to patch it together and piece it together. So it's always like they were always like lukewarm. They'd say they'd want to win, but everything about them said they were lukewarm to winning. Like either go all in or start over. That And that's that's what they refused to do and now they finally have done it the starting over with this rebuild under depoto and now they're at the point where hey got to push them in a little bit and show you know you basically spent three years charging big league prices for uh, teams that aren't big league caliber well now you need to go out and prove to the your fans that like okay you guys have worn it for three years Let's go out. We're going to we're going to spend the money. We're going to invest. We're going to take some risk to go out and try and put the best team together we can and compete for not just a wild card spot cuz that that doesn't mean a lot. I mean it it ends the streak. But you got to you want to be in the postseason, you got to win win a series or be in a series. You know, you can't just lose the wild card game. It's like the Pirates a couple of years ago. You remember they like 
It didn't feel like they were. Yeah. We did it two years in a yeah. row. We yeah. know exactly. Yeah, what exactly. That's like. Yeah, I mean, and the the Royals game of all the games. The oh, one, oh my god, 2014. Because I thought that team, if it won that game, could have did what the Royals didn't really push through because that team was really good. I do know this about T-Mobile. We still think Safeco, but best food in the business. Yeah, it's, there's no question. Let's end on this. Uh, for you, traveling again. What's that been like? It's been cool. Uh, we didn't start until after the All Star break. Um, but it's been good. I think that's the big thing, being down here on the field, having access to the players one-on-one -on -one, um, and talking to them, not always on the record instead of in a camera. It just loosens everything up. You know, when I have to write about a guy blowing a game, you know, at least I can be there the next day to, one, wear it if I'm pretty critical, or two, just say, hey, man, you know, you were good the other two times. I made sure to mention it. You know, it's like it, it's, it just keeps the relationship between us and the players on the level instead of just so static. And so that's been big. And like something like that Graveman story and the player reaction, if we don't have access to the field, I don't get that story. Yeah, I can text some guys and stuff like that, but to be down there and see the raw emotion and have players just wanting to vent to you, it was like, man, this is right in itself. Thank you guys. No, that was, and you know, we know Kendall real well. Yeah. And you know, his emotion, and I don't blame the Mariner players either. Oh yeah. He's a great teammate, and I've, I've yet to find anybody that doesn't like him as a teammate because he he, try, he, he's, he cares. I mean, he's so intense. So, I, I yeah, it's it's been good. I like it's, The closer we can get back to normal baseball and just getting back to these things is good. So, like, the, they can't screw up the CBA because we're finally getting close again. Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> figure it out. Nobody, nobody wants to hear from either side. Just figure it out. Everybody's making enough money. Yeah, Let's just make this yeah, thing happen. Exactly. Hey, thank you so much for coming down here. We truly appreciate it. Not a problem. Appreciate it. You want to do a little uh, – what do you want to do here, Cody? I think we could – let's uh, – we could always talk about the uh, – the Padres debacle, or the AL MVP. Uh, the Padres, you know what's funny? I sent you those power rankings today. They're literally imploding. They're imploding, but yet baseball doesn't want to doesn't want to let them go. No, and here, here's the number for you. Over their last 35 games, what's the Padres' record? It's horrible. They're 10 and 25. Yeah, they're they're they've like they've sunk. They they were in the driver's seat for the second wild card. And then now they're 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 how many where how many are they out now? Uh, they're gone. He gone. They are three and a half back in the wild card behind St. Louis, not Cincinnati. St. Louis, who, who's hot? Who just swept them in St. Louis? They are hot. By the way, scoreboard watching right now. Unfortunately, I have to tell you this: uh, New York is up four nothing on Texas in the third. Toronto leads Tampa Bay one nothing. Come on, Rays! But the Rays are the comeback kids, so I like them there. And I don't is Boston an interleague play? Yeah, but they're not playing today. They're they're they start a series Ooh. with they start a series with the Metropolitans tomorrow. Ooh, so you beat Seattle today, you push them back. Tampa will come back and beat Toronto. I have no faith in Texas, but it's all about what you do. You gotta win today. The slogan for the rest of the season, win today, worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. That's or if you don't win today, tomorrow doesn't mean anything, which is not true yet. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I'm just uh, you were mentioning the the Rays and the and the uh, Blue in the Blue Jays. I, I think Tampa Bay wins that game too. The guy pitching for Tampa Bay is making his major league debut, throwing 100 miles an hour. He's given one hit. It's been a solo home run. How do they have all these? And talk about the, uh, the new you, the new guy we got. You want you want to know how they got him? Shane Bat Shane Baz is the last part of the Chris Archer deal to Pittsburgh. 
So the Pirates gave up three number one prospects to get Chris Archer. And uh, that, that he's, Once again, nobody cares about Pittsburgh. Well, you're asking how they got this guy. I'm telling you how they got him. Jesus, you just had to say he was a part of the trade, not your emotion. Nobody cares about your Pirates. Uh, the, uh, the A's claimed a former Pirate, Michael Feliz, as, you, as we talk more Pirates here. Uh, they claim, we claimed him from uh, off waivers from the Red Sox. Uh, the clearest spot on the 40-man roster, the A's designated catcher, Aramis uh, Garcia, for assignment. Feliz has pitched for three teams this year, the Pirates, the Reds, and the Red Sox. He has a 7.32 ERA, and a, well, his opponent's batting average isn't good in 20 appearances. But he does throw hard. He throws nine, his fastball tops out at 94, so that's a little different That's look. not hard. That's, um, uh, co- not in today's baseball. Uh, but in the, for the A's bullpen, that's, that's velocity. So we picked up a guy that's played for three organizations, and Boston just let him go. By the way, Boston's bullpen has been one of the best lately. Are we going to really, in do-or-die games, pitch, pitch a guy who's got a 7 ERA? Well, here's what Bob Melvin said earlier to the media. Um, he likes Michael Feliz's high velocity and ability to miss bats. He brings a different look to the A's bullpen with a low strikeout percentage. That's from Martin Gallegos on Twitter earlier. And God bless Bob. Bob's got Bob's to say the right things. But um, how many missed bats are you missing when you have a 7 ERA? Uh, not many. I mean, the opponent's batting average is 309. I'm no GM, but I'm going to tell you that's not missing bats. Uh, is, is that just shows you how desperate the A's are for, for bullpen? Let's see. Let's see real quick because we got like less than a minute. I'll see how many strikeouts he has this year. It's not many. He was part of the deal. Um, I think he was part. He was. I think he was part of the Garrett Cole trade when Pittsburgh traded Cole to Houston. I think he was one of the guys they got back. Musgrove, him, and Colin Moran, I want to say. Uh, this So far this year, he has – 17 strikeouts in 19 and two-thirds innings. Sounds like another goose gossage to me. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's the guy the A's got. Michael Feliz is the new pitcher for the green and gold. Do or die baseball. I love it. Tonight's going to be exciting. I'm not sure what we're projecting to have here at the Coliseum, and nor do I care. I just care about how. It's going to roll tonight, and Sean Manai is 2-0 and this year against the Seattle Mariners, and it's a huge start for him. Frankie Montas came up big. You know, in the relay race in the Olympics, and you pass the baton? Yeah. It's just passing the baton. You want good news? The race have a guy on second with one out. It's, Can they get him home? It's a re- It's real early in these games. Well, he was, he was pitching for the race tonight, too, by the way, uh, but the potential AL Cy Young. Robbie Ray. Oh, Robbie Ray. So there you go. Has anyone told Robbie Ray his shirt's too tight? He looks like he's. What, what about his pants? <laughs> it's just seriously. <laughs> no, I mean, Walker Bueller wears tight pants, but I mean, Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray's got everything's tight. It's like you wearing... saw the manager, uh, Brandon Hyde, freaking out on him the other day, right? With the yeah. Warriors. Okay. And he's right. yelling back at him. Yeah, that was. Well, when you're, when you're, when you're about to lose, when you have 100 losses, you need to do something. There was a ref in the San Jose State uh, Hawaii game. The dude was so yoked, he looked like he was so juiced up. It wasn't Ed Hockley? Uh, Ed's retired, by the way. Uh, hey, Sean's refing, though. His th- son's refing. This guy was so yoked, and they were the announcers were, like, going, he's bigger than the players. <laughs> yeah, well, he probably is. <laughs> Are we done? Yeah, we're done. God. we got three shows left after today on the field. That's it? Tomorrow, Wednesday, and Friday. Thursday a day game? Yeah. See, I can't worry about Thursday. Got to worry about tonight. I can't worry about Wednesday. I can't even tell you about Tuesday. You're worried about Tuesday. 
I got to worry about 640 tonight. That's the only worry I got. All right, what are we playing next? Uh, David Force, the newest David Force show. The David Force show, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics. And then I will be back at 540 for A's Total Access. We would like to thank the great Vince Catronio and also Cole Irvin and Ryan Divish from the Seattle Times. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. Here's the GM. This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course. One of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.